Hey everyone, today we are cozying up with Chanel Tyler. We last sat down with her a little over a year ago and a lot of things have been growing since then. She has a brand new job as the beauty strategy and partnerships lead at YouTube. She is also growing her online skincare community on Instagram and she has a new baby on the way. We chat about all things professional life and personal life on this episode today. Hey everyone, and welcome to Cozying Up with the Clear Cut, where we get up close and personal with women that inspire us. Today we are sitting back down with Chanel Tyler. I think a little over a year has passed, and now she is YouTube's strategy and partnerships lead for beauty and communities. She's also built a very strong personal beauty brand and she is growing her family. So we are checking in and seeing what this past crazy year has had in store for her. Thanks for coming on again, Chanel. Thank you for having me, Olivia. It's great to be back. <laughs> I wish we could have done it in person like we did last time, but you know, COVID. COVID and you moved to Chicago. So congratulations on the big move. Thank um, you. That's where you're originally from, right? Yeah, yeah. Born and bred in Chicago. My husband is from New York, um, but we've actually been spending the majority of our time here. So he's got a chance to kind of get acclimated to the to the city <laughs> over a longer period of time, which has been nice. So, How does he like it compared to New York? Oh, to him, there's no place it's like New York or nowhere, you know, like that's how he feels. So it's good. It's, it's, it's a bit of an adjustment, but I think this is probably the, the best time to be able to spend a lot of time in a different city. We just really needed to be close to family. So it it more so boiled down to that. Yeah, definitely. And have their support during this time because you're expecting a new member of your family, right? Yeah. Yeah. We are having our first baby. <laughs> it's been, I feel like everything has been in like two-year increments. Thank you. <laughs> it's scary, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, the stuff that I've been reading about motherhood and, like, parenthood and the girlfriend, like, people really romanticize this whole situation and, like, don't keep it real. So one of the things I've been trying to do is keep it real. <laughs> I definitely appreciate that, like knowing what you're getting into before um, making that big step in life. I know I'm super scared personally about it, but would love to dive a little deeper into like your experiences and your beauty tips and all of that as we go along. But first, I really want to learn more about your new role at YouTube. It sounds like one of the coolest jobs you could have. So tell me a little bit about <laughs> how um, last time we sat down together, you were working at Estee Lauder and what that journey has been like. Yeah, it was actually really amazing. I haven't had a chance to really tell this story yet in terms of how I actually got the role, but it was through my network, um, my undergraduate network at that. I had a number of girlfriends that I went to Spelman with that I'm still very, very close to, or, you know, you know, somewhat close to. And over like the course of three months, multiple people sent me this job and they were like, I really think you'd be perfect for it. You should apply. And, and at the time, I really loved my job. So I had no interest in even pursuing something different. But I'm also kind of a believer in like signs and fate mm -hmm. and things like that and like alignment. And so 
once it came the third time, I was like, okay, clearly this is something that I need to listen to and I'm just not, not giving it enough thought. So the description of the job was actually to me, not exactly what the job ended up being. And Mm -hmm. I think that that maybe was a bit of a disservice on, on YouTube's part because the job is so much cooler than what they put in, in the description. And so that was kind of also something I was trying to like tackle with. I was like, is this like, am I, is this something I'm really going to enjoy? I don't know, but it sounds interesting. It's in the tech space, which would be, you know, a really good transition for me. And then the COVID happened. So I started interviewing and then COVID came and everything got put on hold. So during that time, I was like, not even disappointed because I lo- like, I loved my current job and wasn't really wasn't looking to go. And I was like, all right, well, I guess this is just not meant to be. A few months passed and a lot of the murders started happening. Um, you know, a lot of the black, the killings of black men um, and the black community was really starting to kind of be in a sense of like upheaval. Um, all of the protests began mm-hmm. and that could change a lot of corporate dynamics as well. Yes. So if you're like a, you know, a member of, of the black community and these things are happening, you're looking to your corporation, you know, the, the place that you're kind of giving blood, sweat and tears to, to like show up and, and support you in different ways and show that they, they support the community that you come from. And so my job at the time was local and cultural relevancy. I, that, that, I was the director over the North America region. And what that meant was basically multicultural strategy and how we relate, engage, and um, kind of empower communities of color mm-hmm. or consumers of color, I should say. So it was like di- directly connected to my job. But what also comes with that is a very heavy emotional tax. Um, that takes a toll where you're doing work that's so personal to you yeah. and is so is so sensitive. And, you know, every strategy that we execute, you've got to think through it like 10 different ways to make sure it's not going to be offensive, to make sure it's not going to yep. come across as being inauthentic. Uh, and that got a little that got pretty draining because it was coming at such like a mass level. Uh, so. Our team was just, you know, for lack of a better word, getting very burnt out pretty quickly. And that opened my eyes a little bit more into like, maybe it's time for to be open to something new. So then YouTube circled back with me and I went through like a few more rounds of interviews and landed the job. And it was probably the most seamless, like, interview experience I've ever had. I mean, the level of support, when all of these things were happening, somebody from HR reached out to me every single time saying, we can push out your interviews. Please let us know how we can support you. Is there anything that you need from us? You know, wow. know that like our like hearts and minds are, hev- are heavy with this as well. Like that is just not something that you typically see. So I also kind of felt like I'm walking into an environment where people are, they, they're understanding they are aware of what's going on and they also are aware of how it might impact somebody like me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So then I accepted the role, um, started at towards the end of July and they basically, they brought me on to ramp up and lead their beauty vertical for their, for top creators. So top creators are basically like people like Jackie Ina and Patrick Starr and like Manny MUA, you know, really mega, mega successful uh, beauty YouTubers um, who, you know, have gone on to kind of really become beauty moguls. And so I basically run the strategy, develop and run the strategy for what that looks like 
from a partnership side for YouTube. And it's probably like one of the most exciting jobs I've had. I really love what, what I do. And then my role kind of expanded because I had like this kind of diversity, equity, and inclusion background. It expanded to, um, for me to also cover the business DEI side as well. So I got a chance to really do work like it's like a double passion. I got to focus on beauty, which, you know, I'm uber passionate mm-hmm. about. And then I also got to focus on like diverse communities, which I'm a part of. So it's it's always personal for me as well as professional and really kind of merge the two of those together into a dream job. That sounds like one of the most exciting jobs and like such a perfect fit for you. I remember when you posted it, I was like, oh, my God, like that is incredible. It's it's amazing. Definitely. And I want to get into your personal um, social media brand and everything. It's grown so much. I know when we last spoke, you were starting out, you had like a really um, diehard group of followers and supporters, me being one (laughs) of them, and you've just blown up. So tell me, what has that journey been like building this like side hustle, passion, uh, you know, alongside working this very demanding, you know, high powered job? It has been incredible. Honestly, I had no idea that when I did my first post on skincare a couple years ago, that this was what it was going to turn into. The community, I call call it the glow community. Mm -hmm. It's all about, it's not just about skincare. Like the community is so uplifting and empowering and supportive and positive. I mean, it's, it's a, it's, I have met some beautiful women that, you know, who, who I feel very connected to, which I know sounds crazy in like a digital space, but it's like, you know, we've become friends and we're on this journey together. Like I literally would not be able to do so many doors open for me because of how supportive this community was. And so I always get questions from people who are, you know, looking to kind of get into this space around, you know, how did you, how did you in, build such an engaged community. Yeah. And for me, it is so organic and so natural. Like, you know, a lot of women were coming to me and saying, I don't, you know, brands aren't talking to me. I don't know what I, my skin is like, you know, freaking out. I've got all this, I've got hyperpigmentation and dark spots. I've got crazy like acne problems. My skin doesn't glow. It doesn't have that radiance that I feel. And I don't even know where to start. And for me, it just started with my core pillar, which is education and kind of really breaking down somewhat complex matters to, to, to simplify them and talk to people the way I would want to be, be spoken to from a brand or a derm or an esthetician. Right. And so that just opened you know, up more and more doors and more and more women really started to gravitate towards what I was saying and what I was talking about. And it started to help them, you know, the amount of women that now come to me and like, I don't wear makeup anymore. And I feel great Mm -hmm. and beautiful in my bare skin. I'm able to go makeup free. I mean, hearing stuff like that is just incredible. Like that, because that's the goal, right? It's like we've been, Black women especially, or women of color, have been, not been the standard of beauty for forever. And, and, you know, I'm, 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 because I work in the beauty industry, I always have to reference that. But it's like, we have become our own standard of beauty and we are now coming into ourselves and recognizing the power in how we look naturally. And that is kind of what, that is the education and the, 
what I try to foster is like you, I want you to feel perfectly confident and beautiful in the skin that you are in and don't let anyone else mm-hmm. tell you differently. And so once we are able to get to that level, the, the testimonies that I get, the feedback, the thank yous, I mean, it's, it's probably one of the, 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 the best, most rewarding things I've ever done. I mean, and it's a testament to you. I, follow all of your advice too. And I've, and as you know, like I was like breaking out before my wedding and you're like, do this, do that. And I've stick to all the tips that you've given me and my skin's improved so much. So I am, um, an avid follower and supporter here. So I'm, I know that your advice and education like does work and it does, it is so cool to feel that authenticity and, you know, you're not trying to like sell anything to anyone. You're just giving out like education mm-hmm. and advice. And that's what I think, you know, people really resonate with. I I completely agree, you know, and, and that's what I always try to tell people. It's like, it's, it's not about selling things, but what, what I was finding was <laughs> if I didn't link things or if I didn't like post, post people them and say angry. where to go buy them, people are like spamming my DMs. Like, where can I get this? Where can I, which, which is like an incredible problem to have. Right. And so that opened up, you know, a door for me to like, to be like, oh, this could be a business, you know, like I can actually monetize off of this. And I had already had so many people that were like who work in social media that were like, Chanel, you've got like one of the highest conversion rates I've ever seen. People literally go and sell things out when you recommend them. Why are you not benefiting from this? And it was never about that for me, right? Like it was always just about helping other women, sharing, spreading the word, sharing it, giving advice. And it just turned into like this whole, this whole new world. And it's the same way when I engage in brand partnerships, I have to use and love the product first before I even talk about it. And with brands that don't support communities of color, with brands that aren't diverse and don't have representation on their page, you're not going to see me do a partnership with them because it's not, Mm -hmm. it's not real. It's not organic. It's not authentic. And so I think that that's another one of the things that my community really appreciates is that when, even when I do a campaign for them, it's like, this is not an ad. This is like, we know that Chanel vetted this and that she's only doing this partnership because she believes in the brand or the efficacy of the product. Definitely. And it's like your friend who happens to be a beauty expert giving you advice and telling you what the best products are to use. And what are some of the best um, products you would recommend for expecting mothers like yourself? So <laughs> I've been having a lot of conversations in, in my DMs about Because your this. skin changes a lot, right? It changes a ton. So I actually experienced quite uh, I experience acne outbreaks. Um, I'm acne prone anyway. So my skin breaks out, I would say every four to five weeks with the pregnancy. So I can just kind of expect that it'll get like almost like crystal, you know, clear. It's like super, it's it's like I, I almost have no blemishes whatsoever. And then the next week I'll be breaking out everywhere. So it just, it's, it's, yeah. like, it's really unbalanced and unstable. And that's just because of all the hormone fluctuations. So I have actually been experiencing a lot of acne and hyperpigmentation with my pregnancy, which is common. You know, a lot of women go through this, but what you'll find is I, I asked my doctor and my dermatologist kind of what was safe to use and what to stay away from. There are actually not that many things that you need to stay away from. But what I've decided to focus on is like more so clean beauty products. So if you go to Sephora mm-hmm. and look at that like clean stamp, those are the type of products that I typically 
tend to stray towards because you know that for the most part, they're not made with anything harmful. So there's also like tons of blogs. There's a lot of other like mommy influencers that I really trust in this space that like I'll, I'll, I'll see what they have to say. The main thing to stay away from are retinols and retinoids. Salicylic acid is, is like a, I've, I've heard different things, but because I've heard too many different things, I just cut it out mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and then chemical sunscreens is like another thing that you're supposed to stay away from. And like, you know, you want things that are like paraben free, for example. So, but like AHAs and BHAs are like, you know, glycolic acid based on the concentration level. And, and most, most over the counter products don't have very high concentrations of things. So you can pretty much feel like if it's going on your skin topically, it's for the most part, if it's like below a three to five concentration level, you're, you're okay. Like it's not, it's not going to absorb enough into your bloodstream to impact the baby. So I always just do my research. I always, you know, Mm -hmm. recommend that people ask their doctor because that is where you're going to get the best set of advice from somebody that Mm -hmm. you trust. And then I try to educate as best I can based on the product that I'm using. Hey everyone, Olivia here. Hope you're enjoying our episode. Our clear cut collection features fine jewelry pieces inspired and designed with you in mind. Our collection is ever changing and each piece is handmade and made to order here in New York City. Don't forget to check it out and use the code COZY, C-O-Z-Y for free shipping on any purchase. What are some of your favorite black owned beauty brands? Oh man. So I've really gotten into, and I'm so grateful for a lot of what happened last year and in a way, because it's brought awareness in spaces that there wasn't before. So it was actually fairly difficult to like just Google like black owned beauty brand and like come like being able to come up with like options, you know? And so last year when all of this was going, Mm -hmm. when, when, you know, when, when this movement was happening, so many editors were writing articles that were highlighting black owned beauty brands. And I learned about so many new ones. So the established has become one of my absolute favorites. Uh, all of their products are like handmade. They're natural, have natural ingredients. They smell incredible. She focuses on body care and skincare. Um, so, and it's, and, and self-care, I would say. So I've been, I use her products pretty much daily. Um, there's another brand, a body care brand called We The People that focuses on like shape, like, uh, like shaving and post post shave care as well as like they came up with this new line of like bath salts that are amazing. So I've been using a lot of those products. Um, who else am I really into that does Bolden is a great skincare brand that's really helped me with my ac- with some of my acne problems. So really supportive of them. Um, yeah, there's like, for whatever reason, like you, as soon as you asked me, I like remembered everything and like now, but there's like, I actually just did a campaign that focuses on like, um, black owned beauty brands. And there are a ton of them out there that, you know, Clur is another one. They've been around for a few years and she makes a lot of like, but like botanical based skincare and it's very nourishing for the skin. So those are some of the ones that like, I just really love. 
And what advice would you give to someone like a younger version of yourself, like a woman who's trying to break into the beauty space or start like her own platform on social media, especially a woman of color? Like what advice would you give to someone that's interested in doing kind of what you're doing one day? That's such a good question. Um, I would say imposter syndrome is very real. So one of the things that I had to constantly battle with was being like, you know, what are people going to say? Like, like, cause I never really wanted to be like an influencer, not, not, not because there's anything wrong with it, but I was never someone who liked a lot of attention. I was never someone who wanted to be in front of the camera. I'm like a behind the scenes sort of person. So it was just a huge adjustment for me to lean into this space, but it was mainly because like I was scared and afraid to do it. And so one of the things like you're never too small, um, you've really got to start somewhere. And for me, it's just like, just start posting about the things that you love. Don't feel like you need to have some massive following or that you need to have some platform that you have to stand on in order to have a voice in this space. Like there's so much room for all of us to take up. And so I would just kind of encourage them to be able to work through that. And that that's on the career side too. It's like, don't let anyone tell you what you can do. Don't let anyone define a box or a path for you. Like we do enough of that on our own. And I was kind of, you know, fell, fell prey to that where I thought I had to follow this super traditional path, you know, cause I, w- I used to work in, in finance and banking before I worked in beauty. And that was all I knew because I had, I wasn't exposed or didn't think I could do anything different. And that was not the right mindset to be in. I really strongly feel like if you want to do something and if you're passionate about, about something, start putting fillers out there, start talking to people that, that work in careers that, you know, you, you, want to have or aspire to have, start building a network, start going to events, engage people on social media, engage people on LinkedIn, get on Clubhouse and, you know, tap into those conversations. Like there's so many resources nowadays. Mm -hmm. And so my, my advice is just start somewhere. Don't, don't box yourself in and don't let imposter syndrome get the best of you. Yeah. Imposter syndrome is real and can be a real roadblock for a lot of people to Oh put my themselves gosh, out there. it's huge. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me and my girlfriends, we talk about it all the time, right? And I'm, we're in our, you know, I'm in my mid-30s. They're, I would say, like in their mid to, and also kind of in their mid-30s. And, you know, successful career-wise, if you want to look at, if you want to look at it from that perspective, but you'd be shocked at how many conversations we have about imposter syndrome. Like, it is just something that can really stunt you and make you make you make yourself smaller when, when you're not. And so it's just a constant battle, something that you have to overcome and, and, and push through. And so any women who are feeling that or, or dealing with that, like just know that you are not alone in, in, in those emotions and that it's, all, it's something that a lot of us are, are, are dealing with no matter how it looks on the outside. What advice would you give to brands um, if they're struggling to deal with inclusivity, if they really want to, but they just don't know how to do it authentically? Like, do you have any advice for how brands can do better? Yeah, uh, that starts on the inside. So I would encourage those brands to take a very strong look at who their employees are and who their decision Mm -hmm. makers are. And if you don't have the answers, then you need to hire people who do. 
And I guarantee mm -hmm. you, if you're looking to be more diverse, more equitable, more inclusive, you got to hire people who are part of that, who are part of that community, but who are also in addition to becoming an ally of that community um, or those communities, I should say. So to me, it always starts from the outside in. You can't have a team of, you know, of, of folks who, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll just say it blatantly. You can't have a team of white people yeah. trying to do campaigns to target women of color. There is going to be a lot that that is missed from that, that that's very nuanced. There's going to be a lot of historical and cultural context that you just can't identify with, so don't even know to look for. Um, and it's going to come across, again, as inauthentic. And authenticity is this word that just gets thrown around all the time, but it's, mm -hmm. it's deep. It's a deep word, and people pick up on when something is inauthentic immediately, especially people of color. So that's what I always advise them. It's like, if you don't have the answers or you're struggling to find the answers or you don't know which direction to go, or you don't know if this is going to be offensive or not, or you don't know if this is, if these are the people that you should, you should work with, you know, from a, you know, with model casting and influencers, et cetera, bring people in who do. Mm -hmm. um, I think having a diver diverse workforce and, 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 and diverse teams, you can only win with that. There's no downside to, to being set up that way. And so I think that what I saw with like, for example, the Pull Up for Change Act is that so many brands didn't think that they were a part of the problem. So many thought that they were doing things the right way. And when they actually had to take a closer look at their the representation that existed in their companies, they realized we don't actually have any any folks here of color. Mm -hmm. Like it's maybe maybe one or two, or you know, if, if we were lucky, maybe you saw something around six or seven percent. Um, but for the most part, most of these companies had to issue apologies and say, you know, we're sorry, we didn't even recognize that we didn't employ enough black or brown people. So that is that is the biggest piece of advice. You will solve a lot of problems if you diversify um, your your employees. And I'm not talking about people who work in the field. I'm not talking about people who who you know, are, are in administrative roles. Because um, that's extremely important too, but it's it's also got to be people that are in front-facing business functions. It's also got to be people who are executives and can make decisions on behalf of the business. Like it has got to be from the top down and bottom up. And what you'll end up finding is a lot of people of color are really heavy on the bottom, but as you move up, you see in middle management and upper management, you see less and less and less. Like even, you know, and I, I every company I've been at, that's been how things look. So um, I'm always going to be like an advocate for change. If I have the opportunity to hire a woman of color, you better believe I'm going to do it because mm -hmm. they're just not enough of us. We still aren't in enough spaces and we need to be. And if we are saying as a company, we want to be more inclusive. We know we have more, 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 more work to do to be diverse. You know, being equitable is like the, the, the thing that we strive for. That's a lot of levers to pull. So, you know, you got to clean house first and figure that part out. And then you can focus on like the, the outward facing part. So that's that's my advice on that. Awesome. So what do you see for, you know, your future, your goals? What are your aspirations um, that are coming up? <laughs> you know, um, oh, Olivia. I don't know yet. I am still figuring that out. So one of the things okay. that I used to do was like plan out my life. I had a five-year plan and a 10-year plan and I knew how everything was going to go. 
and nothing went that way. And I'm, I'm glad it didn't. <laughs> um, but what it, what it did again, how I talked about not boxing myself in, I have just been so blessed and so grateful that so many opportunities come to me. I don't have to go looking for them. And that is to me what happens when you're kind of doing something that you're passionate about and also something that's purposeful for you. Um, because it's, it, it just, it's very natural and you're kind of moving in the state of alignment and that's kind of the place that I, I want to remain in. So my only goal right now is to deliver a healthy baby, um, focus on, you know, becoming a new parent with my, with my husband, um, you know, and moving into this different life, this new life stage that we're, we're going to encounter together. Um, you know, building a, a home that is loving and stable um, and continuing to to lean into my passion. Um, that's it. That's, that's all I got. <laughs> well, that's a lot. That's great. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm excited to continue following you and seeing your journey. Um, it's been so incredible seeing you grow like so quickly and um yeah, it's just amazing. Oh my God, Olivia. I can say the same for you. You're, I mean, you've got, you've got a whole new office space. Your platform on social has grown tremendously. The amount of love stories that you are telling for people. I mean, I remember when you and Kyle started this and look at yeah. just in a few <laughs> years, how far you've come. I mean, you're being recognized by Forbes and places like Harvard. I mean, that's a, that is magnanimous. So I just want to say that it has been a privilege of mine to follow your journey as well. I'm always rooting for you. Aww. Anytime people say, hey, I'm thinking about getting engaged or even mention engaged, I'm like, you got to go to the clear cut. Go, go, talk, go talk to Olivia. <laughs> she knows all the things and will like, you know, ha- have everything, give you the best experience. So um, same oh, I really appreciate that. That's so sweet. <laughs> yeah. So where can everyone follow you? Um, you know, your, your glow community, where can people join and follow along and get all the tips and advice from yeah, you? Yeah. So they can follow along. Um, my social or my Instagram handle is at by me Chanel. If you want to send me an email or get in touch with me, it's just contact by me Chanel at gmail.com. And the by me Chanel is, is B U Y. M-E-C-H-A-N-E-L. And um, I'm also on LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was great catching up and looking forward to seeing what's in store in the future. Yes, me too. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed chatting with Chanel about all things beauty and baby, but also how we can take these necessary steps in making our society and our businesses more equitable and inclusive. For more on Chanel, follow her at Buy Me Chanel.